Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. Always want to get your feedback, hear from you. Let us know what you think. Um, you know, I, I do this for you guys. So uh, anything that, that you think could be a little bit better or that you want to hear differently, let me know. I'm always down to, to, to chop it up and, and get your thoughts on stuff. Um, really psyched today to be joined by someone who I, I really enjoy talking to whenever we get to, uh, especially on Twitter, uh, Harrison Fagan from over at Silver Screen and Roll. Harrison, how are you doing today, man? You know, I'm doing all right. I just uh, I just wrapped up Locked On Pacers right before we taped this. And so, like, for people looking for which order to listen to these two in, like, that's the uh, that's the order. I'm sorry to plug, uh, uh, you know, your, I'm sure your Mortal Enemies podcast. Oh, no, I love Tony. But, um, Tony's a really good friend, so. <laughs> but no, I'm fuck just, his I, podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm proud to be the Lakers Twitter Pacers insider, I think, is uh, is my official title now. I, I'm the Lakers insider for Pacers fans, you know, after doing these two podcasts. Well, I couldn't get magic, so I thought I'll I'll hit up Harrison. And see what he's doing. <laughs> that was your first request. You went immediately from magic, <laughs> yeah. Harrison Fagan. That yep. was yeah. yeah I, there's I a, appreciate it's just a small drop off, you know. I'll take that. I'll take I that thought I might get a little bit more in depth uh, view talking to you instead of magic. So um, magic might just read me the box. Can you story, imagine but... doing a Lakers podcast or like any team podcast with Magic Johnson? You're like you're like so like what have you thought of the Jazz this year? I think Donovan Mitchell is playing at an MVP level, <laughs> and Rudy Gobert could be Defensive Player of the Year. It's like, is that it, Magic? Is that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I appreciate his positivity. I'll give him that much. Um, it's better than the inside the NBA guys at this point. But true. Yeah. At least he likes basketball. Like the exactly. most negative tweet he's ever sent is, I'm going to be honest with you, that dunk contest could have been better. It was like, wow, that was for Magic. That is criticism. That's like, yeah, that's, that's Magic swinging the hammer. Like that's coming down. That's the most he's ever criticized someone publicly other than leaking that he was going to fire Luke Walton like all year that he was in charge his final year. I, that's all right. That's a totally <laughs> random question. But like, how, how surprised are you that Luke Walton is still a coach in Sacramento? I'm honestly shocked because it feels like Sacramento fans were ready to fire him like when he was hired, (laughs) like, like days into him being hired. And so, yeah, I'm amazed. Like, you know, I guess never underestimate like, uh, you know, like a cheap team's cheapness, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of shocked. And, uh, like literally like the title of our Lakers versus Pacers preview was, is LeBron going to get Luke Walton fired again? And like, you know, that ended up LeBron didn't even play that game. The Kings won Luke, I guess, saved his job for the rest of the season. But yeah, I am, I'm a ba- you know, I have multiple friends that, uh, that work with me at SB nation that cover the Kings now as a secondary beat and like, like they're blown away that he's still employed for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy runs, uh, Forces. A, yeah, my, my buddy has a blue wire pod that he, it's Kings Paul. So I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they run, uh, so they, yeah, they cover Sacramento and every time I talk to him, he's like, still the head coach and there's no rumblings of him going so it's uh yeah man luckily the pacers and lakers are not in that situation right now though um things have been uh, okay i guess it depends if you check pacers twitter i don't know how tuned in you are to pacers twitter uh 
Well, only there when are... I tweet about DeMontis Sabonis am I <laughs> oh, tuned boy. in to how many members of Pacers Twitter there are. Oh, yes. I was aware of that. That was, uh, that was a good time. They come in, uh, in droves when, when there is Sabonis slander. Um, yeah, but... no, look, I, I respect it. Like that oh, defender wasn't slander, guy. That was... Your tweet was fine. I remember I saw yours. I was like, you know, it's not that bad. Like, it's better than no, uh, my two other I, ones. I, again, I said that on Locked on Pacers. I apologize. It genuinely was not a troll. I sent it not realizing that, like, you know, like, just genuinely asking. Like, because obviously, two-time All-Stars, you would think, would be a prestigious group. I was like, it, there can't be that many of them. Is he the worst one? Turns out he is very much not. Not really even close. So there are a lot of worse players to be two-time All-Stars. And so, uh, again, just uh, I will apologize for that. Twitter is a magical place. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, uh, hey, look, I learned very quick. So, like, I learned something on Twitter. Not everyone can say that. And also, judging by the amount of people that continue to double down on their Sabonis takes, some people still don't learn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. There are a lot of those. Um, yeah, so I guess I have so many questions I want to ask you, man. I think, number one, first thing I would ask looking at last season, um, how awesome was it getting to cover a team that won the championship? Like, and have you felt like there's been any kind of uh, honeymoon phase into this year? Or speaking of, of a man who was just married right before the championship, um, how is that? Uh, how's that kind of factored in for you? Yeah. So for, for, I'll answer the first question first. And it was awesome. And like, you know, it was a lot of work, but it was fun the entire time because it's just like, you really feel like everything that you're writing matters to a greater degree than you do when, and everything that you're podcasting about and everything that you're doing just matters more because there's more attention on it. You're one of the last teams going, you're kind of getting to be a part of this, you know, even though, again, like I'm not on the team, I'm not on the team payroll or anything like that. Like, I don't feel like I won a championship but it did feel really cool to get to tell the story of the best team in the NBA last year from start to finish and so I really really enjoyed that and for someone who grew up like a diehard Lakers fan in Southern California like just getting to like talk to guys after they won the title was awesome like I never as a kid would have imagined that I would ever get to do that and it's one of these like pinch yourself moments and it was a little different obviously because we weren't in the room to like smell the champagne and or to get <laughs> yeah. doused with it or you know whatever but like I um it was still you know like you know like Kyle Kuzma I was feeling a little champagne drunk and I didn't know how to act and uh we had some fun that night but um it was uh yeah it was great to answer the second question their honeymoon I think lasted less time than my mid pandemic mid season honeymoon, which was already not very long, but you know, like this team, I think it took like five games into the regular season for fans to be ready to cut Mark Gasol and like, <laughs> you know, like all the, like, you know, firing Frank Vogel was about 20 games in, we started getting those tweets and it's just like, they they won the title two months ago, guys. Like, I get the roster is different and whatever, but, like, they went through this insanely short turnaround. They talk every game about how exhausted they are. Like, can we cut them? They talk, you know, every other week about how they're treating every single game like a practice scrimmage. Like, can we cut them a little bit of slack? And the answer is resoundingly no. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I still consider preach patience nonetheless. I am not of the opinion that this team like that there's nothing to worry about and that they like can't possibly lose and everyone who thinks that like they could need to improve is you know crazy or anything like that but it's just like you know there's some very real context here that we need to acknowledge before we're like I mean Frank Vogel I think has proven himself to be 
at worst, a top 10 NBA coach over that playoff run. And, you know, like just to be ready to fire him right now during this season, when I feel like he's managed it and like about as well as you possibly could. I mean, sure. Like, does he do everything that I would do if I was coaching a team? No, but that's also why he's a much better coach than me. Um, And, you know, I just like, I don't understand the, uh, like the lack of pay. It's been wild to watch how little of a honeymoon phase there was. Yeah. So that's actually, there are a lot of parallels that we can draw with that. I know the teams are in very different spots, but it's been similar. I mean, uh, the team is three games under 500, which is, I mean, it's the first time that's happened in six years at the, at the, at the not deadline all-star break um, since 14, 15. Um, And it's different obviously, but like people are throwing out the uh, Photoshopped Cade, so like Cade in a Pacers jersey. I'm like, we're not, we're not there yet. We're not even close to that. We would have to lose like 15 straight games to be in that conversation. So let's, let's pump the brakes on it. Um, and we are also getting the, the fire Nate Bjorker in crowd as well, which is just wild to me in year one. Oh, exactly. wow. In year one, in year one. Um, that's so Kingspan I wrote level. I almost respect oh. it. Like that's, that's, uh, that's dedication to your team. Oh, exactly. It's uh it's, it's weird, man, because I mean, they're a team that was founded on just being really consistent and uh, this year has been different. And I think it's like you mentioned, trying to find like the right perspective on like how to view things is so different. Like whenever I watch other teams, I have really no good idea of how to analyze everyone. I feel like it's just kind of game the game because even like you mentioned with the Lakers, like um, I mean, I try and watch every team like at least twice a week to keep up with what they're doing. And with watching the Lakers, I mean, they've been a completely different team over the last two weeks because Anthony Davis isn't there. Like, and I think that, that a lot was uh, made up of that. And there was kind of an uproar that the Lakers were sliding a little bit. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, Dennis Schroeder has been out too. guys have been in and out of the lineup. Uh, it happens like there's there's context that comes with it. Yeah, something that I think has been that you kind of, I think, alluded to that I'm just thinking about now that's like an interesting trend is it really does feel like every single fan base, except for like maybe the Nets is like pissed off at their team right now. And I'm sure you could even find some like Nets fans that are like ready to fire Steve Nash or something like that. But like, it just feels like aside from maybe them and like, I honestly don't know that I can think of a second team, maybe the Jazz, like the Jazz. No, Jazz fans are upset about something every every night. So yeah, Jazz fans are not upset with their team they're mad at everyone else for not respecting their screen assist king and like so I just think that there's like you know I don't know if this makes Pacers fans feel better but I do feel like there's not really a whole lot of happy NBA fans right now because I think so much as people who most like for me like I'm you know I'm not really like a diehard fan or anything anymore but it's like I mainly only watch the Lakers and like who they're playing against and so for me like you know the thing that I have to remind myself uh, you know to do by watching other teams when I do get to catch them or by reading about other teams is like every team is going through some weird stuff right now. Like this is a weird year. It's hard to evaluate it. Everybody's unhappy with where they are. And like you just, for lack of a better term, like you have to realize every team kind of sucks right now, you know, like they're, they're going to go through stretches where they suck. Like, Celtics fans were pissed a couple weeks ago because, you know, their team was going through injuries and COVID protocols and all this stuff. Jason Tatum was still dealing with after effects from the virus. They were ready to fire everyone into the sun and trade everyone. And, you know, it's just like every fan base, I feel like has gone through something this year and every team has gone through something this year. I think it's just been a really, really tough year on the players, on people who are watching. It just like, honestly, it has not been a high quality product by the NBA. And I understand why they rush back to play, but we are seeing some of the negative effects of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a great point. Like um, 
it it's important to really take a step back when you're looking at everything because like I, I mean I just wrote down the March uh March schedule for the Pacers on my calendar and I'm looking at it, I'm like well shit they play a back to back like every single weekend because the uh um the NCAA tournament's happening in Indianapolis so it's either Ooh, I can't remember if it's yeah yeah, I, yeah which is that's a whole other thing no no uh, no I just mean from like a scheduling perspective oh, I'm yeah. sure that's gonna be brutal like yeah yeah and I I, I I'm I can't, I think fans are going to be in, I don't know. But uh, also, I mean, shit, this is total, total side. You see that the, uh, I think it's the Rangers are letting the entire stadium in. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that they had some weird plan where they're going to let the entire stadium in and then go into pods. And it's like, wait, what are we, what, so that you can isolate the people that are sick from the opening night or like, what are we doing here? You know, like, exactly, exactly. But aside, the side gone, um, you know, you just look at everything like back-to-backs are hard. Teams who play back-to-backs normally don't win the second game. There's reasons for that. Like it's a slog. It's not like everyone's like, well, they're playing less games. Well, it's condensed, like completely condensed. And like you talked about with the Lakers, like, I mean, they had, I think 70 days off before the first game. And that's like the smallest off season in, in major sports. I, think history. It was, I believe it was 72 or 73 games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then that's without, you know, training camp started two weeks before and you have um, the off season's already so short. It's just, it's, it's very different. Um, yeah. I don't know where the Pacers are at, but the Lakers have literally by my count practiced 10 times this season. It's since somewhere season close started. for the Pacers. Like they really yeah. have not gotten to practice much. Um, like, I don't I think, think, really think any so team is too. going to, and that that's why everyone looks terrible, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like defenses exactly. across the league are way down, like, or not down, but they're, they're way up in terms of how many points they're allowing and why offenses are way up because it's, if you have good players, it's easier to put together offense and it's harder to coach everyone to kind of stay connected and, you know, like really get stops on defense. That's what's honestly been the most impressive about the Lakers season to me is this is a team that has managed to somehow find more defensive cohesion than offensive cohesion, which really does speak to, I think, Frank's sensibilities as much as anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like, looking at Marcus All, uh, what have you liked about what he's brought to the team? Because I, I mean, in watching him, obviously, I think it's funny because I think he's one of the guys you have to watch. Like you, like you, you do rewatches a little bit to try and uh, understand what his impact is on the court. Because he's really not a. He's, I mean, he's not a shot blocker. He's still a rim protector, like in terms of his deterrence. But just he does a lot of stuff quarterbacking and defense that I think you can you can miss pretty easily. Um, yes. And it feels like he's added a lot in terms of what he brings on the back line and also just giving uh, some more center versatility too. Yeah. So that is not a popular take among Lakers fans right now. I, who yeah, are aware of that one. Yeah. Who are ready to strap him to a Tesla rocket and fire him into the sun. Uh, I think. Is <laughs> Can they like fire the prevailing... Elon Musk into the sun too? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're going to get us like attacked by tech bros on Twitter. Hey man, tomorrow. it's okay. They're, they're probably listening to us right now anyway. So <laughs> yeah, no, get, get your downloads, man. Um, yeah. So I think for Mark, I mostly agree with you. And it's funny. We were joking on the, well, half joking, honestly, on the fast break breakfast podcast that I did, with which Keith was fantastic, and you guys and, uh, thank you. And we were joking that we need to rebrand Marcus All to Lakers fans as like a seven foot Alex Caruso, and so that's how I've been trying to explain him because it seems like people get. You know, uh, we're, I mean, there are some people that whenever Alex Caruso has like a one for four game, they're like, he's trash, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like th- th- he shouldn't be playing over so-and-so. And, you know, like I-, I think that sometimes it's like you said, it's easy to miss these wheel greasers that help in ways that aren't always reflected in the box score. Because I think if there's one thing that I've learned from NBA Twitter 
over the last, you know, little while and like uh, just online communities in general is everyone likes to act like they know more than they actually know. And especially there are like a lot of box score watchers that feel like if you just look at a stat sheet that you can know everything about a player. And this is not to talk down to anyone who thinks that Marcus All has not lived up to expectations because there was a leak today that the Lakers have not felt like Marcus All has lived up to expectations. That said, I think he's been, and even for me, I think he, I've been a little underwhelmed in terms of what he bring, but I think even he would say that. And, you know, he's going to miss this game with under the help and safety protocols he's already out so this is like you know it's moot for now but whenever he comes back I'm going to be interested to see because it did seem like he had started to find his rhythm a little bit the last couple games before he was declared out with this and I think that like for him it's not it's like you said it's not like that he's blocking a bunch of shots or whatever but he is large around the rim and he deters shots and he sometimes deters shots from being taken. He's very smart about telling guys where to be and about being a backstop. And like when he gets blown by, it looks horrible because he is big and slow and it just looks bad. And I can see how you would watch that. Even if you're not box score watching and you're watching the games and you're like, this guy sucks, but you have to pay closer attention because again, I'm not saying he's perfect. He's not a defensive player of the year anymore, but he does help. And especially in terms of how little he fouls he's able to contest shots without fouling which has been a big advantage for the Lakers on defense they just are not giving up very many free throws with him in the game especially and you know on offense like he needs to be a little bit more aggressive we started to see some of that but then you know now he's out for a little bit so we'll see what happens there yeah I agree I wish that he would just gun from three like obviously you know you want some some heat heat a little bit like you don't want to shoot everything but um he's at the point where it's like and it was similar in, in in toronto too like but not to this degree like he's just passing up wide open looks at times um and he's a great playmaker i think but i think he feels like just given his basketball sensibilities like i think that he feels like there's so many good players in this starting lineup like you look at the starting lineup besides him on you know when everyone's healthy and it's anthony davis it's dennis Schroeder, it's lebron james it's, i mean kcp is not a guy that he probably feels like he has to defer to but those other three guys he probably does a little bit yeah. and you know I think what the Lakers were really trying to impart to him before he went out with this was you have to do something like it's okay if you want to make the pass it's okay if that's your first nature but you need to put the ball on the floor and dribble you need to make yourself a threat in some way just so that the defenses guard you and then you can make your kind of wheel greasing pass that extends the advantage that whatever LeBron or AD or whoever passed you created yeah yeah exactly I think that's such a good point to bring up um another player that I really want to talk about uh, this is more of a niche one because I just like, I, I love everything about him. And one of my favorite things about this year, uh, I also have a really bad tendency of prefacing things for like a minute before I actually reveal what it is. So I'm going to keep doing it. Oh, that's okay. I do that too. Yeah. So, I've already yeah, been doing this for a good. year. So, I mean, at this point it's my brand, you know? Um, but looking at, uh, uh, just that Frank Vogel is playing a second year player as much as he has been and giving extended run an opportunity, even though you're a championship team. I think that's been awesome. And Taylor Horton Tucker has been so fun to watch. Like I know the shot has not fallen well from outside the arc. Um, it's been a little bit better recently. If I remember correctly, last time I looked at stats, but overall, like um, he's doing a lot of stuff, driving to the rim. His physicality is really shown through. And I just like his minutes. Like he's great defensively. Well, not okay. Great for a guy who's a second year player. I think I should put context. in. Yeah. Play. He's great he's, for a guy who is supposed to suck. Exactly. And he's still only 20. <laughs> like I, I think he's yeah. still one of the youngest guys in the league. Um, I've really liked that, that Frank Vogel gives him as extended run as he did, does. Like, I know the, the bench isn't crazy deep, but like they could easily just say, Hey, we'll play somebody more veteran a couple more minutes. And, you know, 
Yeah, I'm I'm honestly I'm shocked the a THT question on like another team's podcast. Like normally I only get to talk about LeBron and AD and like maybe Dennis See, Schroeder here's or my Trez thing. or Cooper Everybody or knows about LeBron and AD. I I want to yeah, talk no, about No, I'm this with this you. Moment. Hey, that's that's great. Like I'm I'm ready to talk some THT. I have not Good. gotten to talk THT in weeks. Um he has fallen off a little bit of late, mm-hmm. I think. And a big part of it is just that I think the scouting report is out on him. Frank yeah. Vogel was talking as kind of a throwaway the other day, but it was something that you know, perk my ears up where he was talking about how they're really trying to help him make adjustments and adjust to the scouting report on him. Because I think teams now that like, they know what's going on with THT. You're going to watch, you're going to see the Pacers know exactly what's going on with THT tomorrow. They're going to try and force him to go left. He's not going to do it. He's going to try a crazy one-handed right-hand shot around the rim and he may miss, he may make it. And if he makes a couple of them, then it looks like he has a good night. And if he doesn't, then he's in for a rough one, but you're right that it is. I think there's been a couple of things that have led to him playing so much. Number one, it's that, he can clearly play at the NBA level at this point. And you saw that reflected earlier in the season, especially before the scouting report was out on him. Mm -hmm. Now as a 20 year old, he's having to learn how to adjust so that you can go back to your stronger stuff, but he still needs to make those adjustments and gain those weapons so that he's going to be able to do that. But yeah, he's been solid defensively. And I, I think that, you know, Wes Matthews not playing well has been a big factor in that in like Frank feeling a little bit more comfortable with let's give the young guy with some fresh legs some run. But I do think that we're going to get to a point here pretty soon where they're going to start to face him out a little bit unless, you know, Wes is just completely cooked. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been one of my things that I've hated watching this year. Cause I love Wesley Matthews growing up. Like, um, Portland was like my second team in the West. Cause I, I mean, I grew up with lob city. So of course, lob city was yeah. like my favorite team. Um, but yeah, he has really just looked athletically kind of, uh, I don't want to say finished because you, you never know. He could just be struggling with like some kind of, uh, some, some minor things that are slowing him down. And I'm hopeful that he'll look better tomorrow when he plays. Um, maybe the all-star break helps refresh him a little bit, but he has looked really rough offensively and defensively too. Um, so I yeah, think it's been, you look it's at been an, it's it's been an ongoing subplot is mm-hmm. like especially over the All Star break as everyone's kind of doing their midseason evaluations it's kind of like all right we're having the Wesley Matthews dialogue like you know we're we're 35, 36 or whatever games in and it's uh yeah it's it's been tough to watch and he again like you know he could rebound he's been a better shooter than this for his entire career so mm-hmm. he may start to kind of show that at some point you would think but it also sometimes a guy just loses it and it's just gone and you know I, I think I'm not ready to declare that that's where we're at with Wes but it also would not surprise me yeah yeah definitely I agree it's uh it's hard he just has like no lift on his shot anymore so hopefully that changes um another guy who I want to talk about too uh, who I've been really impressed with going back through and watching stuff is Kyle Kuzma. Um, again, the numbers don't pop off the page. He's not doing anything crazy. Like, I mean, I think this is close to his best three-point shooting year, just in terms of volume. He's shooting just about league average, um, which he's not been a great shooter. Recently. I believe he was better his rookie year. He but was? I, I oh, yeah. That, it was, yeah, I think he was, was like 30, 37%, 38% his rookie year. I can't remember. Yeah, he was like 30. It was like something that he has not come close to since yeah. then. So, yeah. yeah. So it's been good to see him back on that. And it's on high volume. But the biggest thing for me is just he is a good defensive player now. Like, that was not something we could say a year or two years ago. Like, there were flashes last year, but just in my watching this year, he's doing some stuff as, like, a weak side rim protector. He's been better on ball, and he just seems really sold out on being uh, the guy who can come in and just do garbage time stuff 
and stay on the floor. And I've really been impressed with that because that's a very hard thing to develop as a mentality. Um, what have you liked from Kuz on that side? Outside of his Twitter, I, I do not enjoy Kuz on Twitter, um, but I do enjoy Kuz quite Oh, a lot really? I actually enjoy his Twitter. I think that it's like, it, it's, you know, it's, interest it's a, extremely candid in terms yeah. of some of the stuff that he says and like i i actually like that he goes at the media sometimes and so stuff like i don't that. mind like, that i like i like i i should I, i'll correct myself i like when he is candid about himself i do not enjoy uh some of the anti-vax stuff that, that can be a little frustrating did but. he post anti-vax stuff oh yeah it was like early on in in the pandemic um oh yeah i missed that kinda, i must have been offline gross. that day that's yeah. uh yeah, that's not great if that is true. That's what um, well, that was right before he uh he shut his Twitter down for a while. Okay, all right. Well, so you're breaking some I do not I, like if this happened, I genuinely blocked it from my brain and so I you know, like anyway, but as far as <laughs> on the court for Kuzma this year, um he has Sign uh, me over to TMZ. Shit, I'm breaking uh breaking all Yeah, kinds no, of you're ready. News. You just broke No, honestly, I like I vaguely I remember him shutting his Twitter down. I don't remember that that was why. I thought it was like over him promising to give out PS5s and then not having them. Like that's what all the Lakers fans were mad at him for. Um, <laughs> but as far as uh as far as his play this year, you know, he said something about like they asked him, you know, what's led you to commit to the offensive glass so much and you know whatever and he's just like I'm just trying to get the damn ball really and it's like that kind of kind of candor that I appreciate from him in that he could just be the guy that's like oh you know I'm just trying to help the team win whatever and like to some degree that is what he's trying to do but also he's trying to find a way to feel like he's impacting the game I think a lot of the times last year he wasn't able to do the stuff that he had previously succeeded at in the NBA hadn't developed kind of the tertiary skill sets to be able to do the other things. And so I think was just kind of like a non-factor in a lot of games. And we've really seen him this year be able to affect the game with his offensive rebounding, able to kind of do some more like just secondary things and whatever. And so I just, and his defense has really, I think gone up a notch in terms of just his awareness of where he's supposed to be. The numbers do not reflect it at all. The Lakers bench units have not been very good on defense. So his advanced numbers look horrible, but some of, you know, I was looking at Instat when I had a subscription to that a couple of like last month and Kuz was like a upper 90 percentile isolation defender. And so some of the more, more advanced numbers do paint a more positive picture for him. And he's done well in the assignments that he's been given and I think that a big part of it you know even his teammates have noticed like he's not trying to be the third star anymore he's trying to be a guy that can help affect the game and help this team win and you know he and the team have all wanted to say that you know oh it has nothing to do with the extension whatever but I think that even if he's not saying that subconsciously, how could that not affect you in terms of, you know, you know, your money's locked in, you're not playing for your next contract. You don't have to worry about your numbers. So you just go out there and do what the team needs. And what the team needs most of the time is not isolation score coups. They need Kyle Kuzma, the role player, the super rebounder, the, you know, floor spacer, the defender, all of that stuff. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. Like, um, I think that's something that kind of gets passed over a lot in, in analyzing sports or just, if you're just watching, you know, like having me on your couch watching, like this guy is, you can say whatever about how much money they're making, but like that almost ups, not almost like that definitely ups the stakes. Like you're trying to lock in a, like a, a four for $60 million deal or something like that. And you have to play well for it. And it's harder to like, like, one of my favorite examples is Mo Harkless. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but Mo Harkless, when he was, I think it was his second to last year with, with the trailblazers, he had a, uh, um, a bonus in his contract that was for like one and a half million dollars. If he shot over 35% from three 
and we got to, I think it was like 12 games left and he was shooting exactly 35% from three. And he just stopped shooting threes. Like he was taking, like (laughs) he was literally taking, like, I think he was taking three or four a game that year. And it was like my favorite story that came out. I do not remember this. That is hilarious. I will send you a story because it was like, I I, I was talking to my guy, my, my friend, Steve, the who covers them over at Blazers edge. Yeah, and, no, um, I love Steve. I, yeah, I, Steve him is and great. I hung out at Summer League and, a million times. Um, we were talking about this like a, like probably a couple weeks ago, and I forgot about it. I looked the stories up, and like, yeah, it was See, like this is the kind of was, thing that only the hyper local like media fans, you know, whatever. This is exciting shit to yeah. be like, dude. Like, yeah, I, I'll never forget seeing that because I, I I think I saw it on Twitter when it happened at the time, and I was like, or, or I was just like watching box scores because I was like, I, I was at the time. I'm like, I'm terrible at staying up late enough to actually watch West Coast games, so I watched them in the morning. And I was seeing like Mo Harkless is not taking threes anymore. Like, no, honestly, I respect like, it. Get your back. Oh King. yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, if you like, like, you'd be stupid to attempt another three if you're already there with twelve games left. Like, I fully agree. That's a, see, like, that's, I know most see, people would disagree. Those with are us, the but, ones that I respect. It's like the guys who you know, and uh, it was uh, it was Rondo that was the king of this oh, of yeah. taking the buzzer beater right after the buzzer went off, so that it looks like you tried, but it's like, okay, dude, you've done this twenty times. I've seen it where you've just missed the buzzer and you know you just don't want to hurt your three-point percentage with the full court heave and so but if you have a bonus in your contract that's a totally different story yeah exactly and it's also part of the reason why i feel like i wish that we didn't put statistical stuff in uh statistical bonuses in just because i think it's not great for the for the guys like in some ways like some of the it's also like all-star NBA selections are a really stupid yes, bonus like that should not be a criteria for anything 100 percent. it's it's contracts are no are, one's bank account should depend on fan voting you know what yeah. i mean like- i would 100 agree with that especially like no offense to alex caruso but when alex caruso gets more votes than like mike conley or something like that alex caruso needs year, but- to put like a bonus in his next contract for he gets like one and a half million if he finishes in the top 10 in fan voting <laughs> in the all-star game i'm all for that man i think he would get it but uh Next thing that I want to talk about with the Lakers too, uh, before we transition and talk a little bit about the Pacers stuff. Um, what have you thought about Dennis Schroeder so far this year? Cause I think he's brought a nice element to the Lakers, but uh, he struggled with a shot from outside a little bit. Um, but what overall, what have you felt about his impact to the team so far? No, I, I think his impact to the team was best demonstrated by the four games that he missed after Anthony Davis went out as well. And the Lakers went 0-4 in those games. He came back. They won the next two immediately against some pretty decent teams. And I think that, you know, he we were joking that his agent was counting his, uh, you know, counting his commission fees, watching those four <laughs> games and then watching the first one when he came back. And it, it like it, that joke actually got shared by his agent. So, you know, that they're, oh, uh, they're thinking about that. And Dennis Schroeder even laughed at it on Instagram. Like he, so that was pretty great. But I think that um, like, he has been incredibly impactful just in terms of being a guy that allows LeBron to divert his energy elsewhere. The difference in how LeBron was able to play while Schroeder and AD was out and how he was able to play once Schroeder came back, where it's like, while those guys are out, he's the only guy that can create his own shot and create a shot for others. They had other guys like, you know, Trez to some degree can create his own shot. Kuz to some degree can create his own shot, but they aren't going to create shots for others on a consistent basis. And neither is Alex Caruso. And so it was left all to LeBron. And 
he just basically like it was Alex Russo doing it badly, Taylor Horton Tucker doing it badly, and then LeBron doing it okay, but also having to deal with extra defensive attention. And then once Schroeder comes back, all of a sudden you have this second ball handler that is able to allow LeBron to get some easier baskets and allow him to take some of that energy that he was having to use to create for others and really like go defensive player of the year mode for like two games before the all-star break ended. And so I, I think that he just not even just in terms of the stat, but in the stats, but in terms of the energy that he clearly gives the team by full court pressing and the amount of you know joy that they seem to take and you know how that seems to spark the rest of the team. I think that they miss something when he's not out. And he's also a guy that really helps them get free throws, which for a team that struggles to score as much as the Lakers can, because it's like my, my friends, the Kamenetsky brothers have a saying where it's like, you can be bad at free throws. You can be bad at three point shooting and you can be bad at like getting into transition offense, but you can't be bad at all three. And like the Lakers were kind of bad at all three without Dennis Schroeder there. And they started to get better in two of them once he came back. And it's just a lot of ways that he kind of makes things easier on other guys, in addition to just being a guy that can go get his own shot, can go get free throws, and just one of the few guys that I, I think on this team with the short turnaround, and this is understandable, but he's probably the only guy besides Trez that you can really just count on, and Alex Caruso. But those three guys are the main ones that you can count on. Like, they're going to bring it every single night, physically, energy-wise, all that stuff, and then everyone else is going to kind of pick their spots to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great point. Um, I like, I've always really enjoyed Dennis Schroeder, especially like last year was really fun too. He's just, he's always, fun. And this, this is the his, most the, I've his gotten to watch him. He's, is so he's fun. really fun to watch. He's very intense. And like, you can tell that he thinks he's way better than he is. But I <laughs> oh, yeah. love those guys. Like <laughs> yeah. the irrational confidence guys. I forget who coined that term, but like, those are like, those are my favorite players to watch. Like your Dennis Schroeder's your Nick Young's like your, your guys that think that they are like, you know, Dennis Schroeder, when he's playing against Chris Paul, he thinks that on the ESPN graphic that it says Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul tonight, ESPN, you know, and he thinks that it should say that. And I like, I love that hard nosed edge. I do too. It's a, it's a little bit like, I don't know how aware you were of, of Jeff Teague. That was Jeff Teague when he was in Indiana. And I think that was 15, 16. Uh, the Pacers and Jeff, trade- Jeff Teague famously, you know, Dennis Schroeder was the understudy. Exactly. For him, so maybe so a little like, bit it's, of a, yeah. it's hilarious to me because that was part of the reason why, like, I, I, if I remember correctly, that's part of the reason why the Hawks moved on from Jeff. They were like, okay, well, we can bring in. Dennis I Schroeder forgot now. he even played for the Pacers. I'm going to be completely oh, honest. Dude, with trust you. He's me, really bounced around for the <laughs> best. Um, that was a rough year, man. Uh, that was, yeah. So it was him. Uh, that was Paul George's first year back from injury. And, uh, there Jeff were, Teague, like, some... I like remember with the Hawks, I am aware of the fact that he was on the Timberwolves roster. And then I know that he is like horrible for the Celtics this year. But like beyond yeah. that, you could tell me that he has played for any team other than the Lakers. And I would believe you. I think the Pacers are the only other team he played for. Oh, well, <laughs> the there we go. I the guess that Hawks joke the second land. time and then Boston now. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was like, there were like times that year where I, I think uh, I was talking to Tom, my editor. And he talks about how, like, one time he was in the locker room and uh, and Jeff was, like, li- literally thought that he should be getting the ball more than Paul at the end of games, which is, like, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. That's, like, the greatest Paul George slander I've ever heard. Uh, That's it's incredible. Not, I mean, it's, 
from his it own is, teammate. That's amazing. Oh, God, I love that is, so man. much. Oh, that the 15, 16 year was, it was very, very. If you not- want to go viral on Lakers Twitter, that's the clip to lead with for tomorrow for this podcast <laughs> when you promote it. Like, it was either actually might have been once was 17. yelling at Paul George that he should get the ball more at end of games. Oh, I don't think okay, so he wasn't yelling at him, but it, he like said something in, in media availability that he thought he should be getting the, the ball more at the no, end. No, of no, no, don't correct me. Cut this out. Hey, I'm <laughs> just saying I'm not trying to get aggregated. <laughs> not like we're gonna get aggregated, but you never know, man. You never know. Um clutch points. I'm gonna is aggregate coming. it. Like that's <laughs> I'm just gonna do it just for the just for the Paul George slander. Oh man. See, I love I, I love Paul George. He, he's the reason I got it. See, I like his game. I think that he is an aesthetically pleasing player to watch. It's just that the man talks like he doesn't remember what he just said 10 minutes ago. And yeah. like he has like the, the most short-term like memory I uh, like the worst short-term memory I've ever seen from a guy because he says one thing and then he contradicts it like two answers later and he just makes himself such an easy target did you see that the other day uh, I think it was like two or three days ago he said I realize I'm on the wrong podcast for Paul George oh dude slander, no so this I, is your I mean I personally am not like I, I don't I try not to slander players at all but like looking at Paul it's uh people people are a fan of that in in, in the Pacers community I can promise you that actually the most heat I've ever gotten was writing uh, an article saying that Pacers fans needed to stop booing Paul George. I don't think I've ever had any more angry comments before on an article on any corner. Well, you need to you um, need to write like Lakers fans need to stop booing Paul George, and then you can really see what an angry comment. Oh God, like. that sounds like not a smart move. But oh yeah, my yeah. Paul said the other day. Uh, on the Damian Lillard shot, he was like, "Now that I think about it, it wasn't a bad shot." And I'm like, <laughs> "See, that was funny. I actually I, laughed I agree. about that. That was that's, funny too." But I was like, "That's why? the most why? self-aware he has ever been about one of the memes that he has inadvertently created." I agree, but it's like, dude, it's two two years too late to like. Oh man, yeah. No, I'm good. with it. I was all on board for that because people still make fun of him for that, and that was leaning into it, and that was actually like, I actually, I, I was like, okay, that was a good one, Paul. I'll give you that one. Like that, that was pretty funny. He's a. Uh, He's a he's he's hard to read, man. I don't I don't know what to think on him sometimes, but I always come back to like he's not a he's not a bad dude off the court. No, he he's not a bad guy that, yeah. at all. He just he does not remember. He just says whatever he thinks is going to make happy the person who he is talking to. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a that is a good. Actually, that I've heard multiple people say that, so it's kind of it uh, yeah. it tracks. Um, so b- before we get out of here, one last thing that I do want to bring up. Um my mind totally blanked on it. Oh yes. My, my question. Um, one thing that's been really different this year, obviously we, we talked, we haven't really talked about Trez, but Trez is in and he's been, he's been Trez uh, for people who are unaware of Trez's game. Trez is very good. Like in, in some regards, it struggles in others, um, which is a, like, that's the most reductive way I could have ever talked about a player. But point being, you went from last year. Are having... we all good in some ways and bad in others? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a very glass half empty uh, type of argument. But like um, from going from Dwight and JaVale last year as part of the center rotation, and obviously Markeith played a big, big part of that down the stretch, playing as more of a stretch five. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I know a lot has been brought up about the uh, – um, Lakers needing like another big who's just kind of uh, athletic and, and a little bit of a lob threat. And I know that's been Damian Jones on the ten- he, he just got a second 10 day. Yeah, greatest shooter in Lakers history, still 100% <laughs> from the field, leader in franchise yeah, he's history. He's never, he does not miss, insert the SpongeBob meme. Um, yeah. But what have you thought about all of the kind of commotion about the, the center rotation? Because I don't, 
I mean, I guess that there's some merit there, but overall, I haven't really. That's that's not something that has been on my radar a ton. No, so I think that that's the best way to put it. I think there is some merit in feeling like the Lakers need an upgrade at center. The logical issue that I run into with that is that who are you going to bring in off the buyout market that is better than Trez or Gasol? And if you say to Marcus Cousins, I'm going to shut down my Twitter account. I'm so <laughs> tired of like, like the day that I wrote the, the Lakers should not sign. Yeah, the, I wrote that the Lakers should not sign to Marcus Cousins. People are like, he could, he's better on defense than Gasol. And it's like, literally, oh, we posted like, the B-ball index stats and DeMarcus is literally worse in every single advanced defensive staff that they track than Marcus all. Like, it's yeah. not even like, like, it's not one. There's no argument. Like, it's literally every single one. Down oh, the line. Like, if people think Gasol is slow, watching DeMarcus move is, uh, he's, he's really slow. But then even DeMarcus worse. DeMarcus has really I coasted on reputation I, for a couple of years yeah. now. And, and he's I feel, gone through a lot of injuries. Yeah. It's and tough because of the amount stuff. of injuries, like you're mentioning. But, like, also... Yeah. I know people are, I'm sure people started asking you today and last night about LaMarcus Aldridge. If you think DeMarcus Cousins and Marcus All are slow, as much as I love LaMarcus Aldridge, it's like watching the Titanic turn in a lake when he's in pick and roll. It's really okay. rough. So, you know, what's funny is I was like, when the rumors came out, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, I, I feel like he's like played okay this year. And then I looked at like how Spurs fans were talking about him. I, and then I was like, okay, like, why, why am I thinking that he was like, okay, this year? And I went and looked the one game he played against the Lakers. It's a season high in points. He scored 28 points on uh, 18 shots was like, on fire from mid-range and I'm like wow this man really went out and just auditioned for the Lakers during the season and then just kind of shut it down and stopped trying in all yeah. the other games like the one game that he of the sp- three against the Spurs he only played in one of them and he just like lit it up and then he's like all right I'm good at, on this season but yeah there's a clip on the Locked on Lakers uh, Twitter account of me reading his defensive metrics in real time on the podcast <laughs> and just being like yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I don't need to. The Lakers don't need to sign this guy. And so that's my thing: is who are you bringing in that's going to play over either of those guys? And if you say Andre Drummond, like okay, but that requires him to get bought out. I'm still not a hundred percent sure that he's better than Gasol, at least of what the Lakers need him to be good at. And maybe he is. Look, like I'm open to the argument, but you know, can you sell him on a bigger role than the Nets are going to be able to offer him? And you never know with like locker room politics, like is he really close with some guys on the Lakers and maybe he has like beef with Kevin Durant randomly or something? Like who knows? You know, there's always like, we find out about these reasons that guys signed afterwards. Like, oh, well, he was best friends with so-and-so. And And it's like, well, we should have seen that coming. Um, So I, I just, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get a guy that's good enough to play over those two guys to fix whatever perceived problems that you have with the Lakers center rotation. And that's like with the caveat that, you know, I'm not even sure that there is a problem. Like if you think that the problem, and I've made this analogy a couple of times now on podcasts. So like if people have listened to me before, I apologize for the broken record, but it's true. You know, unless you feel like JaVale McGee was shutting down opposing offenses by yelling at them from the bench during the playoffs last year, like he was not the difference maker. He just wasn't. He was a valuable regular season player, but so is Marc Gasol. And when it really matters, Anthony Davis is going to be playing at the five anyway. So in a playoff game, you know, you have like, let's say we pencil in 20 minutes for Gasol at center, maybe a little less, like, you know, 14 or 15 for Trez at center, maybe a little less. And then all of a sudden you're not left with that many more minutes for AD at the five. And, you know, you just, you're up against it pretty quickly here in terms of where this theoretical third athletic center that I guess grows on a tree could make an impact. And so I'm just not 
certain completely. There was a report today in The Athletic that the Lakers are like less than satisfied with Gasol's play, but the phrasing was a little muddy. So it's like hard to know if that was like the reporter injecting their opinion while knowing that the Lakers were looking for an upgrade or if it's actually how the team feels and they leaked that, which is like, if that's so, that's hilarious kind of. But yeah, um, yeah I'm not... I'm just not sure what's going to happen. And the thing that we were talking about when I went on Locked on Lakers yesterday with Anthony was it does make you wonder if there's going to be like a Trez trade in the works at some point here. Like if they're really this unsatisfied with the center position, okay, you got Trez as an innings eater. He came in, he helped you in that aspect throughout the first half of the season. So maybe you bring in a more traditional backup center for the stretch run and you trade him and try and get some help on the wing or you try and get like a guy like PJ Tucker that really is like, a way better version of Markeith Morris that can kind of supercharge those AD at the five lineups. And, you know, maybe they do something like that. Again, this is not reporting. I'm just like thinking out loud about contracts that work and, you know, just thinking logically about if they really want that athletic center, that athletic backup center, they feel like they need this guy really badly. Well, then you may have to move on from Trez because otherwise I'm not sure that that guy's going to be better than him. And if he is, then that's not the greatest use of that salary slot anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think you bring up a lot of great points there. Um, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen overall with the trade deadline, just because I think um, like looking at every team, like there are, I think I can only confidently say that there are like four teams that are not actively trying to make the playoffs right now. Um, And so it's just like, who who are your four? I'm like thinking out loud on this, like the thunder, you know, we got Detroit, uh, uh, Detroit, even then, like, yes, uh, I'm trying to the think. Pacers, oh, Min- I'm just Minnesota's trying to make the playoffs, <laughs> but they are not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. Minnesota's <laughs> trying. They're trying their hardest. They're, they're the, like the worst non-tanking team of all time because I was. Oh, my God. Oh, they're like, they're worse than the Thunder right now. That's incredible. Like, that is like, that's an achievement almost to be that bad while it's trying really, to make the playoffs. It's really bad. It is really bad. There's definitely one other team. Who am I missing? Uh. No, but even in the East, like the Rockets, the Rockets are, yes, the Rockets, okay. I think, the are, Rockets have, are, have mailed it in. They're, 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 they're done. definitely, yeah. Tillman said no. And I think the Kings are going, I think the Kings, they've got to be just about there, are going to, are going to bow out, but I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. They're getting close though. But yeah, with like the East, I mean, Orlando's in the 14 seed and they are three games out of being in the play in. So it's like, <laughs> I know, right? Hilarious. I'm <laughs> so sorry. it's like oh, who is man. selling who is selling out? Like, because reports came out that they don't want to trade Vooch. So like they might trade Evan Fournier, but that doesn't like well, I mean, that's exactly what a team that does want to trade him but isn't getting the offers they want would say, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I hate to go on too much of a tangent here, but like I did the thing. I don't know if you read Howard Beck's interview with uh, Daryl Morey and SI the other I did day. Not. But it's, uh, it was, it's in uh, my tabs, but I haven't. I yeah, haven't it, no, it was hilarious because Daryl is like so transparently happy to be out of the Western Conference and like in the East where like there's like the subtle undertone of like, well, who knows if we'd be the number one seed in the West, but wow, the East sucks. And like... <laughs> it's great it's like one oh, of my I'm like i love how can i know not everybody loves daryl Morey, but like i love how can he's by far the most candid gm of all of them yeah i appreciate it and he's not like i mean he can be like kind of out there sometimes but like overall i'm like he's up he's being he's a person like he at least yeah. acts like a person instead of a suit. talks like and a I human being that. even though he, he like, even though he's the one with the reputation for being the robot that yeah. doesn't care about emotions well it's like okay but the best the best this year have you seen any of troy weaver's quotes out of detroit 
Yes, I have. He he. Okay, so actually, he's coming for the throne. I saw him. He like that way, has yeah, to be like great. just about there. I'm pulling and up actually, the one look, quote. I, I don't know. What am I saying? Rob Palinka, Like, he doesn't talk like a human being, but he, like, some of the stuff he says is wild. Like, we have a, we, we call them Palinka analogies. Like, he once compared the trade deadline to, like, a couple trying to kiss on a trolley car, a car that was too crowded. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, like, he has made some absolutely insane. He compared the Lakers' young core to Taylor Swift before she broke out. Like, he has made some <laughs> absolutely wild analogies over his time. And it's like, it sucks because because I think we made fun of him so much that he's toned it down. And I wish that he could see that we're doing it tongue in cheek and we enjoy it, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun seeing how some of this stuff plays out and uh, it's cool yeah. seeing some of the more personal stuff that goes on in the NBA and realizing, Hey, people are people. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's one thing I wish that people would recognize a little bit more. Like, yeah. I mean, it's different. Cause Le- I mean, LeBron is like, LeBron is like, he's supersedes a lot of this stuff, but for the most part, like, yeah, LeBron's about, basically a political figure that happens to play yeah, in the NBA. Exactly. Like, he's like, very calculated with everything he says. But like, if you're just looking at like Alex Caruso, like he's just a dude, you know, like anybody, most of the guys in the NBA, just, just dudes. They're just tall. Yeah, Just normal and, guys. Not to like to reduce really, them. Really, like, really just, good at basketball. Just no, like if you see somebody out in public, like, yeah, even just, Anthony just, Davis is like very, very exceedingly normal for a superstar. Like he, he actually, he genuinely reminds me of a blogger that happens to be incredibly <laughs> good at basketball. <laughs> i love that That's they like ask him his hobbies and he's like well i like playing madden and like you know like all this stuff like he, he just like, is like an introvert that happens to be incredibly talented and like one of the best uh you know big men of all time yeah exactly it's uh it's the, it's the small things man well harrison yeah. i i've taken enough of your time i really appreciate you coming on and, and, and taking the time to, to to talk with me uh do you have anything that you want to plug before you get out of here uh, not really. I mean, just read my work at Silver Screen and Roll. I'm, I'll be covering the Pacers game tomorrow, so I will get to watch. Like, I'm hoping Sabonis goes off so that I could be educated on how good he is. Uh, you know, yeah. like, well, hey, and, AD's uh, not playing, so there's there's a chance. But you know. no, there. I was I was talking about this on the other podcast, but like, I, uh, you know, like that's my guy that I'm looking for to go off. Ironically, is Sabonis because I don't know who the Lakers are going to defend him with. Like, Damian Jones may be starting for this team tomorrow, and mm. you know, like Markeith Morris alongside him i'm not you know i'm like if you're looking for a way to for the pacers to win this game it's sabonis going off i would think wait is gasol not playing tomorrow no he's out helping okay protocols. all right well yeah damian jones let's see uh hope, hope hopeful for him that he gets a full contract but yeah uh, the lakers have like seven guys on their injury report right now uh damian jones included uh still with lower back pain so we'll see all right well that should be interesting um regardless the lakers have lebron james so it's going to be a very tough matchup uh, yeah i still think they're going to win but oh, if you're yeah. looking for a way for the pacers to win i think it's the bonus going off because i don't think the lakers have a clear matchup for him yeah 100 and i have no idea who who the hell is going to defend lebron so we'll see what happens with that but uh harrison thank you again for coming on man everyone of course go follow everything that, that harrison does obviously he does some great stuff with the lakers but one of my favorite people in terms of just tweeting you're funny as shit. So uh, if you make it on the fast break breakfast, you are funny as shit. I think that's, a, that's my game. <laughs> I appreciate for you saying funny. that because that genuinely is like, that's my favorite NBA podcast. Oh, that I fast break to, breakfast was- is like, I, I'm like normally so locked in with NBA stuff and like, just, I, 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 I'm normally like pretty analytic with how I look at things. And then it's awesome because 
those guys just have fun. Like they, they really have fun like, and they know what they're talking about, but then they don't they, like, they take it seriously, but in a way that's fun. Like they're too, they're it. too unfiltered for like a team to hire them, which sucks. Like exactly. we need like a media outlet that is a little bit more like fun to just hire them and unleash them on a wider audience because they're like the most underappreciated and underrated, I think podcast in the world right now. Like they're hilarious. They, they like, that is one of the only podcasts I can say that throughout the entire pandemic, I've listened to every single episode of. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, man. I'll drop their Patreon link down below. It'll be a patron. <laughs> We're pulling another <laughs> podcast now. Exactly. Yeah, I, if you want to hear more of me, you can check out silverscreenandroll.com or uh, the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. Definitely. Well, Harrison, thank you again to everyone listening. Go follow Harrison. Have a good rest of your day. I totally mentally checked out there. Talk to you guys later.